My name is Michael Garrick, and welcome to Popping Culture. Uh, today, our episode is coming from 742. Um, I guess it's the owner, uh, Frank McCollum. Um, thank you so much for having me and T-Links. Um, very funny comedian. How you doing? How you doing? Uh, before we, uh, you chose the topic, restaurants and how restaurants have influenced pop culture. But before we get into that, man, I would just like to pick your brain about uh, the business in general. Uh, what can you tell people about 742? Yeah, we got started about uh, two years ago. We bought this property, and uh, it previously, in a previous life, was uh, Bayer Pharmaceuticals uh, um, administrative office and secretary pool 40, 50 years ago. And um, it was sold to a, a guy who started a bookstore here uh, called the Book Knack. And people, you know, they're from Rock Hill are very familiar with the Book Knack. It's, uh, it does no more. He passed away a couple years ago, and we purchased the building and took it back to its roots as an office building. But um, when we were doing it, we looked around and we saw the co-working movement um, had started to get legs in, in some ways, and in other ways it started to fall apart. And uh, big companies like WeWorks, uh, most people are familiar with, they um, they have their strategy was to go in. They don't own the building. They will go in and rent a floor at a large building uptown, and they might rent that space at twenty dollars a foot. Then they release it to people for a hundred dollars a square foot or, or whatever their spread is. So they make a really nice spread with very little capital up front. But as soon as you have a drop in occupancy, like we saw last year during COVID, they get wiped out because if they they're at fifty percent occupancy, they can't afford their own rent. Um, so our, our model is different. We purchased the building. We own it. And um, we um, the owners are all uh, long-term commercial real estate investors. Um, there's three of us. And um, our goal is to do multiple, um, not really adaptive reuse projects, but kind of find buildings that could be uh, office space or maybe had been in a prior life and kind of bring them back. But bring the community aspect that comes with co-working um, and kind of layer that over uh, just being a regular rental company, right? Um, it's a little more interesting. It's a little more fun to come to work every day. And what we found is companies, we got an HVAC company, for instance, and we also have a mortgage guy who does mortgages for new homes. And those guys can share 100% of their client list. You know, they can work together to help each other be better businesses. And um, so, so as a community, we're a little bit more geared towards that type of uh, – relationship where we can help everyone kind of grow their business together. Um, and that kind of uh, segues into the the restaurant front. We, When we first started a year ago, COVID broke out just a week or two after we opened our doors, and so it slowed everything down. And we were trying to find ways where we could um, build that community aspect. And so we started inviting the food trucks uh, to come. We don't make any money on that event, uh, except people come in and rent offices. Uh, so it definitely benefits us. But uh, our main goal is to just kind of build community, get in touch with people. And and I just discovered that the um, historically I've always I, I eat food. I don't uh, really prepare food. I've never been in that business. But, you know, you, you look around and these food trucks, they have some crazy regulations. And one of the things, they have to have a physical location where they get inspected. And um, so most of these food trucks that you see here on Thursday nights, a lot of them uh, have a commissary is what they call it. It's a church kitchen down the street. They pay several hundred dollars a month to use the address. Even if they don't cook food there, DHEC comes there to the church and inspects their kitchen, and it's a little bizarre, um, And especially given they pay so much money for that service. And so that kind of uh, brought me more towards looking at maybe the next project might be food-related. Um, 
Uh, but right now we're just building out the community at 742 North. It's office space. And if you come in and rent an office, our, our lowest office that we currently have available, um, the entry point is $400. It's about a 75-square-foot office, and it includes everything. Uh, so there's no deposit. It just gets billed every month on your credit card. You can cancel uh, 30 days into it. It doesn't matter. Or you can stay here five years. We'd love to have you. But um, everything's included. So if you have a podcast that you do, you just have to schedule time in the podcast studio. If you have uh, a conference, you need to set up tables for 20 people. We have space for that. And again, you just have to schedule it and play nice and be a good neighbor. And, you know, there's no additional charge. Um, so that's our story. So when it comes to the office space, you said the lowest is $400. Is that like they can come in every day to their office or they have certain days they can use it? Oh, yeah. So fair point. Uh, the $400 is a private office. So it's yours. You get a key. No one else goes in there. You put your dog picture in there, your kids' pictures. Uh, it's 100% yours. We don't interfere with you. There are some virtual office options um, that uh, you touched on that price point starts at $100 a month. It includes a, a mailbox, uh, so you get a mailing address, and then you get to use um, a couple of days a week. You can come in and use one of the shared offices, so you might be in a different office every day. And we don't really count how many days people are here. People are here five days, one week, and zero the next. You know, it kind of shakes out, but um, but that virtual office plan for 100 bucks is a good fit that, for a lot of people that are working from home. That's a great plan. That um, is a great plan. Um, like I said, this is in Rock Hill. We're, we're in, we live in Columbia, and like for office space, we're like, uh, I looked at the cheapest they would go was I saw one for two fifty, and once I got there, I was like, "Yep, this is why it's two fifty. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, besides that, it's, um, but yeah, uh, four hundred—that's a great price, guys. If you live in the Rocky area, Charlotte area, make sure you come out to seven forty-two North. Uh, great doing business, uh, great spot. Um, when it comes to, uh, we also have shows and events here. Uh, would you like to talk about that? Yeah, so we uh, last year we started doing a real just shotgun marketing approach, and we've tried a lot of different events and shows to see what kind of sticks, and uh, we've learned from that some. And uh, we're trying, you know, we weren't even fifty percent occupied in December, so now we're um, closer to ninety percent uh, in the last few months. And there's a lot more business taking place here every day, so it's uh, some of the events we've kind of moved away from that are maybe more family friendly but less office oriented. And we're trying to do more that really focus on helping our members be better business people, um, grow their business, help each other grow each other's business. Um, and so we um, we still do the food trucks every Thursday. That's a lot of fun. Um, and we have different, uh, you know, um, trucks every Thursday that come in. We try to keep the number of trucks limited. And, um, and then we also do like a community breakfast once a month where we uh, bring all the different members in and especially new members and, you know, this is what I do. It's my new business. I'm in suite 200, whatever, you know, love to meet everyone else here type of thing and do those intros. Um, and that makes sense. Like, that's a great strategy. Mm -hmm. Like some people, they don't use strategy when it comes to food, I don't believe. Like um, like um, Planet Fitness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> why, why give me pizza once a week? Maybe yeah. once a month. Why, why do that? Well, why? Do they have a pizza party once a month at yeah, Planet Fitness? Yeah, they do. Yeah. That's ironic. They fatten you up so you yeah. can go work it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're going to keep you in there. Yeah. They're going to keep your membership, yeah. I've uh, always suspected their business model was just to sign up as enough people where they know there's going to be a huge attrition rate, but people, it's cheap enough where you still pay every month, you know, if you don't go. Yeah, you forget about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Netflix of um, working out, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you can even use your cheat codes. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody else <laughs> use your car. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. No. Yeah. I appreciate those people. 
Um, <laughs> Me too. But yeah, you chose restaurants. Um, any special reason why? I chose restaurants because I don't know a lot about them. I'm learning. I'm, I'm going through this learning process now. And we uh, we have a, a project that we're, we've been developing. I don't know if it'll take off. We, it may merge with a different project. Um, but um, the experience with the food trucks and kind of learning what they're going through. We don't have a kitchen here. This has always been an office. So we do have uh, two food um, retailers in the space. We have Super Icy Brothers. They make an Italian ice product that uh, very similar to ice cream with no dairy. Um, it's pretty good. I don't eat sweets that much, but it's pretty good. Uh, they have a boozy uh, version, too, that's alcoholic. And uh, Everybody's wondering they are black. That's why the name. Um. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Super Icy Brothers. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's run by Ira and his wife, LaToya. There's purportedly some other brothers involved, too, but they're, they're <laughs> the husband and wife team that run it, right? Nice. He's got needle brothers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we have the coffee shop that's run by a guy named Nick Penalota. He's been in the coffee business in the area for a long time. Mostly as a wholesaler, this is his first retail front, and they sell pastries and that type of thing. So there's not a full kitchen in either space. When are they here? I've been here like six times. I have never seen them here. The coffee shop, they close at three. Oh, okay, that's why. Yeah. Um, I, I think their plan has always been to expand hours as people expanded, but literally there's twice as many people here now as there were just three months ago. Uh, so business has really picked up uh, finally. It's um, good to hear, man. I'm happy yeah. for you. Yeah, I'm happy for the businesses too. You know, I mean, it's been a really rough year. And, uh, and we also have a lot of people that were working for the man that maybe has like backed into uh, their own business. Their side hustles kind of become more uh, dominant in their life because um, they, they got to make money somehow. Um, so we've had a lot of small businesses like that move in too. Um, but the food businesses were really interesting. And so what I, what I started hearing from all these food trucks, just, you know, talking to them over a burrito or whatever, these weren't deep conversations, but it's like they need, they need a place where they can um, – where they can have their commissary, where they can prepare food. They need cold uh, storage, dry storage, freezer storage space. You can't have, you've all seen those big walk-in freezers behind a McDonald's or wherever. You you can't have one of those and just have different shelves. You know, shelf A is for restaurant A and mm -hmm. shelf B is for, um, you know, cheesecake guy. Because cheesecake guy and then maybe there's a, a guy doing ghost peppers like uh, Pucker Butt in Fort Mill pretty well known up here they um you can't have those peppers and the cheesecake in the same space because the flavor will mix so there's some complicated um uh not that complicated but there's some details to work out that don't work in a church commissary which is what most people around here use north carolina has the same rules they all food trucks have to pass the physical location test too and so um what we started putting together was okay here's covid's broken out at this point and we, uh, it's a slightly different world. So you wouldn't normally, the three of us might walk into a brewery or wherever, maybe Old Mecklenburg Brewery up in Charlotte a year ago. And we might have our families and friends with us and they have those long tables that seat 20, 30 people. And we'd all sit down next to each other and bump elbows, whatever. It's nobody, you can't do that anymore. It doesn't work in COVID. And even the restaurants, um, maybe they overreacted some, maybe they underreacted. Who, who knows? I guess history will tell, but but it's weird walking into restaurants, even in South Carolina, where the rules are pretty relaxed, because you and I can't sit at tables next to each other. It has to be an empty one. They got taped off, you know, and it's it's different. So that kind of led us down this path of well, could we bring um, a food product, uh, a food service product into this market that is different, that would be pretty – like co-working didn't really exist in Rock Hill before we got here. There's two or three others, but they're really traditional real estate companies 
just trying to fill in some empty offices. Oh, and um, smart for you guys, man. Great to jump on that, you know, while you can, you know, before it became saturated. Yeah, and I think it's been a good. It's, it's nice. It's a nicer environment to work in. You know, we're not just collecting rent checks. We're actually part of a community. So we're looking at that. We're looking at the food space. And we're like, man, we could do something really cool. Potentially, um, we could partner with people like the main guy D hack and get him to come in ahead of time and be friends with them. They don't have to be our, uh, inspector enemies, so to speak. And, um, let's go in and build a, a food hall that's maybe 10 or 20,000 square feet. So this building that we're sitting in is 10,000 square feet to give you like perspective, but it'd be a, um, single story food hall. Um, and it would have a commissary, uh, probably two commissary kitchens on one end, along with several walk-in freezer and uh, coolers and some dry storage so the food trucks have a place to pull up. Maybe, they've, maybe they're making euros. They're making those in the truck. They're not making them in the kitchen typically, but their food has to get delivered somewhere, and, um, and they have to store the, the meat and everything. So they would, they would come in and use it. Maybe you have a cheesecake recipe from your grandma. You want to come try it out. Well, we've got a baking kitchen in that design that allows for that type of business to work right alongside the euro guy. And so that started stretching out into a larger project where, okay, well, we could do a food hall style project where there's also, we have a retail component. And so maybe you're, you got a beef jerky plan, you got a cheesecake plan, and I like tacos, and I want to see if I can do a taco stand. Well, now if we're using the same model as the co-working space. We can go in and um, have a pop-up taco shop. And so if I wanted to open a taco restaurant or a Mexican restaurant or whatever we want to call it, um, not only would I have a bunch of competition, but I've got to sign a five-year lease. It's very expensive. I've got to build out a kitchen typically. Here it would just all be provided. And and the taco shop, maybe their rent is $1,000 a month. Maybe the beef jerky shop is a much smaller footprint. Maybe it's $300 a month. And so it gives you a space where you can come in and do a short-term lease, and you can try your menu out and see if it works. You can try your granddad's beef jerky recipe out or whatever you're doing and see if it works without breaking the bank. You're Maybe you lose a few thousand dollars. You're not losing tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, I, I don't... I don't know, like, you, I don't know your team, but you guys have amazing strategy. Like, oh, thank you. Like, you dropped some gems. Like, that's, that's, I hope that works out. That's a great idea. I think it'll be really neat. And there's, there's two other food hall projects happening in Rock Hill that are at least in people's heads. Um, I think one of them's going to have tenants like Chipotle type tenants, which I, I'm not as interested in. Um, although they pay great rent, right? But, mm-hmm. um, but, um, the other one that's really interesting that uh, they announced two weeks ago, they kind of went public with their plans. They're going to, do something, I think, near the fountain in downtown Rock Hill. There's a big field there um, that they're going to do a container-based uh, structure. So like a, um, intermodal containers that go on the back of trucks and trains and ships. And they'll um, have a full program that focuses on the incubator kind of um, side of it where people who have maybe never run a restaurant, there's a whole program that's a two-year program, teaches them kind of how to do it from start to finish. Our product that we're talking about doing here is a – a little less like that, a little closer to the Chipotle type tenant, but all our tenants would be local uh, businesses and, you know, guys who and girls who had had success with other businesses but wanted to try a different menu or whatever. It'd be kind of a little bit in between those two models. Um, nice, nice. Um, as a businessman yourself, when it comes to restaurants, what's more important, location or marketing? Uh, that's a really good question because our location is part of our um, – it's part of the good and bad about this – uh, property. So right after we bought the property, the Panthers announced they were going to buy the farm that's our next door neighbor. Uh, so if you look at us on a map, we, we touch borders. Um, that's great, right? That's 
I'm, the investors in this project aren't going to be able to go out and buy luxury yachts or anything, but it, that's a good stroke of good luck for us. And I get a nice boat. Yeah, maybe maybe a ski boat. Yeah, okay. um, and uh, so we um, we definitely have, and, and it's not as noticeable now as it will be in a year or two once they've really got their project going. But that's going to bring a lot more traffic uh, down here than we've ever seen before. This whole corridor out in front of the building on Anderson Road has got a lot of transmission shops like the one across the street. Great shop. Um, nothing against them at all. But that type of shop, I mean, that land value is going to go up. Someone's going to buy it and build apartments or something a little fancier, right? Um, and uh, they'll probably move down the street. And eventually that's just going to be how the, uh, I guess, gentrification to some degree of this whole area is going to change. And so <clears throat> on the one hand, we've got this office building that as you, when you drove up, you've got nice road frontage. You can see the big numbers on the side of the building. The food hall that we've been planning and, and one of our stumbling blocks is in the back. So it's in between the office building and the Panthers, and it's a little hard to see. And I think that's one of our biggest problems is location. Um, but it's probably one of our benefits, too, because, man, it's a great location. We just got to figure out a way for people to see it from the road. And, uh, and we've looked at some other property, too. So we may end up changing directions on the location a little bit. And I think... <clears throat> Again, I'm a little bit of a neophyte to the restaurant world, but marketing, I think, is a really big part of it. We already have several ghost kitchens in Rock Hill. Um, basically, you never go inside them. I mean, DoorDash goes and picks up your food and brings them back to you. I, I've always envisioned that as being a big part of the food hall, too. We would have at least three kitchens in the building um, that would be rentable by the hour if uh, Sushi Chef wanted to come in and do a class on how to do sushi to people like you and me and our wives or girlfriends or whatever. Um you know, maybe you're paying 75 bucks a head and you go in and you sit down and he teaches you how to make sushi. And we have a kitchen that's set up like that with a sneeze guard around it and stools. Um, but we also have, um, you know, kitchens that could be used for, you know, Thai food in the morning, Mexican food in the afternoon. You know, we could have multiple different types of ghost restaurants in there. Um, and those basically survive off of marketing. They have no location in the grand scheme of things. Nice, nice. Um Stay with marketing for a second. Mm -hmm. You have a favorite mascot? A favorite mascot? When it comes to restaurants? Mm, I, I don't know. I mean, I went to Alabama, so roll tide. <laughs> Big elephants. <laughs> uh, how important do you think mascots are when it comes to uh, restaurants? How Particularly so? fast food, I'm guessing. You mean like the Hamburglar or something like Ronald McDonald? Um, What's a Hamburglar? Uh, I think he was the He's big. probably too young for the Hamburglar. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I aged and dated myself. Um, Ronald McDonald would. Oh, okay. yeah. 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 His crew. Oh, yeah. the purple one? Yeah. Is yeah, there's the purple one, too. I forget the purple one. That's Grimace. Oh, Grimace. Yeah. Grimace, yeah. Now you dated yourself. I think <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Was he the black and white guy? Yeah. yeah okay, yeah, yeah. He yeah, broke yeah. out of jail. And With he the hat, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that, but I yeah. was like, what is it? Well, they used to have playgrounds and everything that yeah. was themed around that, you know? You'd go climb up inside the Hamburglar, actually, mm -hmm. and uh, like a little UFO space desk, but um, that was a long time ago, 1900s. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like they've really got away from mascots, and now it's more important about slogans. Mm -hmm. uh, where McDonald's got to start with, with Ronald and other restaurants, Sonic did away with that and just worked yep. with slogans. Yeah. Well, I think Sonic just has good food, too. I, I don't eat fast food a whole lot um but uh i did eat at mcdonald's recently for breakfast and i got a sausage biscuit or whatever and it wasn't bad the biscuit was great uh, the sausage had no flavor at all you know and i'm i'm from the south i mean we we gotta have flavor in our food and um so we, 
I was kind of surprised they. We are the people that was like, you know what? If we put sugar in this tea, it'll be better. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can just drink it all day, yeah. um, everywhere you go around here. But um, yeah, I feel like they they really missed out on flavor. You go to Sonic though. On the other hand, they have some products you can't get anywhere else, like a hot dog. And um, I think having a really good product. Maybe it's just because I'm naive about marketing to some degree, but having a really good product is probably even more important. Um, I mean, you know. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Did both of you guys live in Columbia? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so y'all don't come up here and eat a whole bunch. Let's have I'm, shows. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Here well, pretty often. Are you? Okay, yeah. so there's a little, um, I don't know the, the right term, um, Latino Hispanic restaurant around the corner, um, Los Americanos. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a little grocery store, deli, but like their lunch best in town and you just go up to, you got to take it back to work with you there's nowhere to sit down but you go in and get a bunch of tacos and i i don't know why you would go anywhere else in town if you wanted that style meal um uh in rock hill but you do have to take it with you it's not a sit-down restaurant they, they don't have any marketing um and they they have some words on the side of the building in a mural but you know i barely speak any spanish at all um i'm probably like most americans and um you know, just have a thin grasp of it. So I'm going in there, and we're communicating as best we can with, you know, numbers on my fingers and saying the word taco a lot, and it but usually works out. Um, this is their marketing. Like, most, some people mm-hmm. just have word of mouth. Like, yeah. that's yeah. it. Word yeah. of mouth has always been, you know, the best marketing because that's all people mm-hmm. had at one point. Yeah. Um, and I think that would definitely help with you saying that you guys have something in the back, you know, that you're building in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, once people start coming out, um and, and realizing, like, this is here, mm-hmm. the back will actually promote itself. I think yeah. so. And, we, we, you know, I think we, we've we talked about the design a lot, too. I've been to every food hall I could find in the southeast, and um, there's um, there's one in Atlanta. On, um, did you guys grow up in the south, too? Yeah. Um, and so I say everything southern. Uh, Atlanta, like there's no tea at the end. And uh, <laughs> uh, Ponce de Leon's the street it's on, which I don't think yeah, is the proper oh, Spanish pronunciation, but that's how everyone says it down I there. Know, for wrong reasons. but Yeah, I, I yeah me too. <laughs> that's a fun little street in Atlanta, right? Um, it's a strip club down there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. The, uh, uh, the, uh, it starts with a C? Uh, God, I can't think of it's, the name. It's a horrible place. Just because you asked me. The Cla- um, Claremont, Claremont, Claremont Lounge. Yeah, Claremont Lounge, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've, I've spent many many nights there 20 years ago. <laughs> it was always such an interesting um, place. It wasn't your standard fare. But um, right just a few blocks from there, there was an old Sears, um, uh, big retail. Um, and maybe they actually did some textile mill or something in there too. But it looks like it was an old retail building, and I don't know how many square feet it is. It's a lot. Uh, maybe it's 100,000 square feet. Um, maybe it's 50, but it's a whole lot. It's a lot larger in this building. and. Their ground floor is probably about twice as large as this uh, floor plan here, and they turned it into a food hall. It's about two blocks from the Claremont, and uh, so uh, you definitely, definitely recommend going in and checking out how they did it. And it's neat. There's no, there's no tables for twenty people uh, like at a lot of food halls, but there's a lot of little corners that have two or three seats in them. And like if you, the three of us are going out to eat lunch, we've already spent time together. We've already given each other whatever, um, you know, diseases <laughs> uh, we can cough on each other at that point. So we're going to eat together. We want to be grouped together. We may not want to be with the next family over with their loud kids or, or maybe their COVID or whatever the reasoning is. But um, Maybe their COVID. <laughs> or maybe coming back from the Claremont. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Or headed there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's uh, it's a neat setup. You know, there's a lot of little pockets for two, three, four people to sit around and eat. There's a really good fried chicken place there. I can't remember all the names of the restaurants, but 
they've got a place that's got like excellent fried chicken. And you're like, okay, I could come here every day and eat fried chicken. Um, and, and go in with a colleague from work and, and grab some food. But they also have a place that, um, I think it's called Holman and Finch, pretty well known sit down restaurant. And they have a smaller concept that's just burgers and they have it in this, uh, food hall. Went down there and, uh, tried out one of their burgers and they have a, it's a little, their kitchen and their work area is maybe twice the size of this podcast studio, but it's a small area and they're just, they're lined up. They sell out every single day and when they're done, they just close the doors. That's it. Um, well, thank you for dropping gems, man. We definitely got to check those places out. Yeah. Um, when it comes to, like you said, how restaurants influence pop culture, uh, do you feel like it was a time where like every restaurant or like, well, not even fast food, but every restaurant had like a, I guess a song or like something that they were trying to attach. Like mm-hmm. uh, like McDonald's is known, like, I guess the hamburger and those different icons. Mm-hmm. But do you remember when, like, music had to be a part of their commercials? Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm probably less in touch with it than, than most people are. I haven't really watched traditional TV with commercials in a long time. Um, <laughs> but um, but certainly, like, Wendy's had a uh, little jingle and had their mascot, the little red-headed girl. Um, yeah, I can see that. One funny Wendy story. I hope it's not there anymore. I pray it's not there anymore. Uh. But I was traveling through Tennessee and they had a rubies. And it was a black girl with red hair. And it was just, oh, it, really? it, it did not look good. It was horrible. And it was a Wendy's ripoff? Yeah. But well, she looked like Booker T. So it was just, <laughs> it was not. Uh, Reverse gentrification. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just like, this, this shouldn't be here. Let's yeah. Just ghetto up this place. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Tennessee's an interesting state, huh? Yeah. 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 yeah definitely. Uh, but, uh, like Japanese steakhouse, you mentioned yep. like sushi places. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you come there, do you feel like that? Well, I hope it doesn't sound racist at all. But do you, when you come there, do you ever have like a mindset on like that? What I expect to see or what I expect to like food to taste like? Yeah, if I go to bit. KFC, I, I expect to like if I yeah. eat this twice a week, I'll die. Yeah, like, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. I think so. I mean, you go into it to, to your point. Um, and uh, one of my sons is Japanese, actually, so I, I think uh, we, I don't feel like that's racist at all. But, no, yeah, you cool. go in with some expectations, and uh, you want the shrimp saucer. That's not what it's called, I think. Um, but that's what uh, my southern self calls it. But um, That's awesome. My stepson's Pacific Islander, so, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, interesting to have a, a lot of different cultures uh, around you. And, oh, yeah, um, just we, we both eat a lot of white rice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you certainly have expectations, and, uh, you know, you want your wontons or, or whatever yeah. when you go into those places. And I think um, what we're seeing in some places now, there's a truck. The coffee shop uh, owner is um, the owner of the, this truck called that Wan truck here in town, too, that's pretty new. <laughs> and uh, that, that Wan, W-O-N truck, a little play that's on words. Funny. But uh, they do an Asian fusion uh, menu, and it's it's not what you would expect. And I had it, it. It's delicious. Oh, have you? Okay, yeah. So the main chef is, you know, a foot taller than me, and um, he's a big, tall, white guy with no hair. He's uh, not, not Asian-looking at all. And um, he uh, he does some really neat stuff. They have a, a sandwich called a banh mi, it's a, or a, a, a po mi. It's a play on the banh mi, which is a Vietnamese sandwich oh on a, yeah, and a po' boy. It's really, really good. Uh, it's better than both of those sandwiches, and I'm a big fan of uh, Po' Boys and Banh Mi. And um, I think some of that coming into some of that kind of surprise but really well-executed surprises in the food scene is exciting for people, you know. If you're going to go out and get lunch, you might as well do something fun. 
unless you have a great chicken shop, you know. And, and KFCs, to me, to to use uh, them as an example, they're okay. Prices is pretty good up in Charlotte, but some of these gas stations have the best oh, yeah. fried chicken yeah. in yeah. town. Spanks is, is yeah. notorious for, for fried chicken. Uh, I don't know if they have one in here in Charlotte, but yeah. they have a, a few in in the Columbia, Charleston yeah. area. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you if you ask any chicken connoisseur where to go to get chicken, you they'd say hmm. Spanks. And okay. in Charleston, there's a rival called Dodges. Dodges, um, okay. You might yeah. Want to check out? It's you know. You, Usually the people that don't have any teeth that's cooking it are usually the best yeah, chefs, yeah. you know, and, and you go to Dodge's and they smile and you're like, no teeth, great chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Something's Works right. Out perfect. You got to play it by Waffle House rules. Yeah, yeah. Basically, basically. Well, I think what's interesting about places like that, too, and I, I don't know that place, I haven't been there, but it sounds like my kind of place. And <laughs> you, uh, there's a, a burrito shop in Charlotte. It's underneath the Wells Fargo Tower in the basement. And uh, it feels, <laughs> you might be too young, there used to be a show called Night Court. And it feels like you're walking onto the scene at night court. It's really lots of marble on the walls, but it seems 20 years old. Somehow, everything about it. And you go into Johnny Burrito. And I remember I went there when I first moved here in 1999. And the same faces are back there that were there back wow. then. Not not 100%, but like I recognize a lot of the faces from the first time I went in there. And I love that place. He's treating his employees better <laughs> than your average restaurant. I don't know exactly what his magic is, but people don't hang around for 20, 30 years just, just to yeah. do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they, they find other paths that are more interesting or pay better or whatever. And I think we have this huge dichotomy right now um, throughout the United States where everyone's trying to open back up and there's not enough employees to open back up. Everyone had to cut back. Every, a lot of people, especially in food service, said, hey, you know what? I'm not getting paid enough to to deal with jerks. I'm not getting paid enough to be exposed to COVID every time I wait on a customer. And they found other, maybe they went back to school, found another career. Maybe they're living with mom and dad in some cases. But um, there's it's hard to find people to work right now. And we're doing a job fair next Monday here that's focused on restaurants to try to bridge that gap a little bit. Oh, thank you all for doing it, man. That's, That's going to help a lot of people. Well, it's been really interesting kind of learning a little bit about that side of the world, too. And, I mean, some of these places like Empire Pizza, which is a great little local pizza joint, mm-hmm. they um, they have up to $400 in, in bonuses you can earn right now, $200 signing bonus, a $200 referral bonus. And they're working hard to find people that will come in and be part of their team and stay for the long term because they're kind of local. Um, I mean, they're small. Uh, they've got two or three um it's a nice uh, spot. But yeah, yeah. I believe they have one in in Columbia as well. Do they? I think where the old Godfathers used yep. to be somewhere. Oh, really? They do. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, one more question about restaurants. Yeah. Do you believe in paying for atmosphere, or you'd rather go somewhere where it's not as much atmosphere, but the food could be possibly better? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, and there's a lot of different atmospheres too that are attractive. I think. Have y'all been to Price's Chicken Coop in in Charlotte? It's not even my favorite chicken place in Charlotte. There's a better one uh, across the street. But I like going to Prices because, you're, there, again, no place to sit down. The atmosphere is gritty. You're getting a plate with two sides. I mean, that's all they, that's all they serve. And a better example was uh, Dreamland Barbecue in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I think it's a little fancier now, and they franchised out. But when I was in school in the 90s down there, you had to step over a dog that had mange. There was like a, a, a little swinging, uh, falling-apart screen door. There's usually two police officers in there taking up like half a bar, yeah, because they were big boys and drinking a beer. And but your plate, all you could order there was ribs with white bread and sauce, and then you get a beer or a coke or something. And that atmosphere is that gritty atmosphere. I think that that's what made it attractive at, at the time. 
I mean, I appreciate the nice atmosphere of going to um, um, I'm going to Emmett's social uh, table tonight. It's the newest place here in town, and I think they've spent a lot of money in their upfit. I don't know that for a fact. Just looking at it through the window, though, it's like they spent a lot of money on that atmosphere and making it feel like a classy place. And, um, you know, there's a lot of value in that, too. I, so there's different kinds of atmosphere that are attractive, I think, to all of us, but but I think that's a big, important part of it, yeah. I come from Charleston, so okay. that's definitely a big thing in Charleston. People want a certain type of atmosphere is a place called Bertha's mm-hmm. um, Kitchen and it's a simply an old house um, where you you basically go downstairs and you eat but it is it looks like somebody's kitchen yeah you know that's um, cool literally and and the food tastes exactly like you you know they've been cooking in a kitchen and it's, and it's wonderful and it's packed every single day the lines around the block every single day yeah even through COVID you know huh. they were just handing dinners out the window um, to make sure that they stayed open. So, um, yeah, that atmosphere definitely brings a different flavor to the food as well yeah. because, you know, um, depending on where you want to eat, your your taste is going to be affected by where you are. So, Nice, nice. Well, guys, we dropped a lot of gems, guys. If you're not hungry after listening to this episode, I don't think you listened right. <laughs> um, is there anything you like to say to new business owners or someone starting a business and, you know, any motivational things? <laughs> it's always, uh, everyone says it's going to cost twice as much and take twice as long, but uh, in my experience, it's three or four times as much. and three or four, It's just going to be harder than you expect, and I think uh, finding a good spot, we, we try to help remove that here in our co-working space, remove some of those stresses. You know, you don't have to worry about getting all your utilities cut on and um, and all that type of thing. You can You can just walk in and start. We try to remove some of those little hurdles that were always hard for me when I started businesses, you know. Um, nice. And, um, but, uh, yeah, it's difficult. Cool. Well, Frank, thank you so much for uh, coming on to the podcast. Is there anything you'd like to say to your fans? No, we'd uh, love to have you guys come, though, on Thursday nights, especially the food truck. That's a big public event. Anyone's welcome. And it's a good night to kind of come around and, you know, peek around without getting uh, – up by a salesperson to make you rent space. <laughs> nice, nice. Oh. And T-Links, thank you so much for coming on too, man. Uh, thank you for having me, man. All right. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, please come to 742 North in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and you guys have an amazing day.